ladies and gentlemen of America, the world. Um, this is a very somber episode tonight of the Views from the 573. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on in this world right now. And we're going to try to take an hour or so here. and We're going to try to distract you. We're going to try to take you out of that world for a little bit. And we're going to plop you in the crazy world of sports. Um, unfortunately, Ryan McDaniel is unable to be a part of the show tonight. Uh, you know, we don't really mean, not great communication here. Uh, I don't really know why we don't have Ryan tonight, but a big, big return here. Like Jeff Hardy coming out to zero applause on Friday night. Ladies and gentlemen, out of his own quarantine, Peter freaking Lewis is back. Back, Peter Lewis, say hello. America. This is where we would play uh, Shady's back, but uh, we cannot afford those copyrights. Oh, days. these days. Uh, you know what? <laughs> to be honest, there's probably nobody in that office at whatever record label that is that is looking to flag stuff for copyrights. We could probably just put it in and get away with it right now. You know, if ever I, you know, I've been trying to tell people to look at this as a little bit of an opportunity. Uh, you know, be creative, do some different things, maybe, you know, there's a lot of things that really suck about what kind of is going on right now, but if there's any way to make it an opportunity, that might be an opportunity that we can make right here. We may be able to slip in some copyrighted materials. No, in our luck, though, we would just get ruined by some, some corporate lawyer. Yeah, and that'd be unfortunate. Um, one corporate lawyer listening from home. <laughs> and just doing a random podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get this wonderful podcast. Brought to you by, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I forgot. Anchor. Thank you. Brought to you by Ryan, Anchor. Brian, if, if you're editing this, cut that out. I'm not sure. If, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to send him the audio, so I assume he's going to be putting it together. Uh, yes, Anchor, they are always sponsoring our podcast. They're a great way of recording podcasts and sharing them with each other as well. You know, you can... Uh, uh, post through Anchor, and we appreciate all of their help and everything they do for the show. Peter Lewis, tonight we're going to talk about sports. Mm-hmm. And we finally had some. Well, we don't have sports; we just have contracts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have some paperwork that happened in the National Football League. Uh, obviously, there's the big ones. That you know, there, there's Tom Brady is obviously the headliner of it all. Um, you've got Jarrell Casey getting traded from the Titans to, to the uh, Broncos. You've got the Teddy Bridgewater signing with Carolina. You've got DeForest Buckner getting traded. You've got Phillip Rivers going to the Colts as well. You've got the granddaddy of them all, Deshaun or uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Deshaun Watson not going to be happy. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins getting traded he to the Arizona Cardinals. We don't know that. That's true. He really could. At this point, all bets are off. Honestly, you know what? If I was a team, even if I had a decently good quarterback, I would at least give Bill O'Brien the call. You know, like, just see what they're thinking. Uh, by the way, speaking of quarterbacks that got traded, uh, and really, I think kind of bad trades, uh, Nick Foles to the Bears, uh, in exchange for a fourth-round draft pick, one of the comp picks, uh, you know, we're also going to have to mention the, the Ravens. We're kicking some real booty in the uh, early portions of the offseason. Bringing in Class Campbell, bringing in Michael Brockers. That's been great. So, Peter, let's lead it off here. Let, let's actually start with what kind of start all of this. I didn't tee this up for you ahead of time, uh, so I am sorry if I catch you off guard here. But the NFL does have a new CBA 
in agreement, and that is what kind of started the ball rolling on everything. So with that CBA, um, this season really not affected much by it. The following season, the 2021-2022 season, will uh, 17-game schedule. There will be expanded playoffs as well with the one seeds getting the buys, and then there being seven teams in each conference. Me and Ryan kind of gave a little bit of our piece on that. Peter, how do you feel about seven teams per side in the playoffs? Uh, I don't like it because, especially with 32 teams and 16 per conference, if my math is correct, because it never used uh, 14. It would be it'd be fourteen teams making it. I was, I was thinking for a bit, yeah. So. Oh, okay. I, I'm with you now. I was wrong. Oh, you, you know, you're technically right. Just you know, when I was trying to get out, uh, I don't like it because I feel like with playoffs, it should be as little as possible. You know, that's just my thing. I I do get the interest of seven games. I don't like seventeen games. That's mostly really? because of what we know now with football. Okay. And I feel like one more game is just, you know, is it, is it a necessary risk? Although there's playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of knew it was coming the moment Goodell and them started to suggest it. I'll see how it goes in actuality. But for, for me, it's, I can lose 17 games, maybe from a moral standpoint, not really, but seven teams per division or a conference, rather. I don't know. That. I know it's only just one more, but it feels like that's the it could be a tipping point to maybe too much more down the road. Yeah, I can see that. I think to me the almost more interesting and controversial part in my head for the playoffs is actually only one team getting a bye. Yeah, because we have seen that those buys are very cr- crucial. Uh, you know, over the past handful of years. The championship game has almost exclusively been at least one side being a team that had a bye, being one of the first two uh, seeds in their conference. So I think that's actually a very crucial part of it. I get what you're saying, though, and I'm, I'm almost there with you on the watering it down a little bit uh, of the playoffs. I, I'm not in love with that. I don't. I hope that they cap it here and don't go farther. But you know what, though, Peter? I got to tell you, sometimes you just got to have some fun. And oh, yeah. on Wild Card Weekend, if they do a noon four primetime game on both Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to have me some fun. Oh, yeah. That's, and here's the thing. This is my first podcast in well over a month in a new city. I moved to Chicago, the Chicagoland area, for those who didn't remember or forgot. So, yeah, I... My opinion-wise now on a lot of things is kind of up in the air because, truthfully, I'm not paying the closest attention. I did Again, I did hear about all these, so I knew it was happening. But, you know, there's a virus outside. To yeah. About, so. Yeah, there, there's some things you got to be worried about outside the NFL CBA right now. I, yeah. I think we all understand that. Getting that update about the 17 games, I'll try to search through the city to find some bullet paper because we're out and uh, we're getting low, <laughs> rather. Oh, and no. All, and all the horrors happen. There, there's priorities right there. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, hey, you know what? I get it. Playoff football's fun. Having that one more team, giving that shootout feel, and maybe making the number one seed even more of a battle down the road, 
That's it. I get it. It's interesting. One of the ideas that I saw floating around I thought would make it a little interesting, this one, the 17th game side, was to make it somewhat, um, I guess, safe is the word mm-hmm. I, I would be looking for, is to have it where every player, starter, has to be benched at least one game a year. I, I, I remember that, that came up last year at one point. Okay. I hate um, that idea. I liked it from the strategy standpoint, but then I got worried as a ticket, as someone who would purchase a ticket. Right. I like going to NBA games now. Yep. Management. Exactly. Oh, yeah. LeBron's going to be in my town. Oh, wait. It's a game in Memphis. Is he really going to play that game? Yep. Because you would think logically, oh, that's everybody week one. Who gives a crap? It's week one. But then it's like, well, how are you going to get the fans here to watch your team if, you know, Mason Rudolph is playing with Rosedale Knicks? Oh, wait, he's dropped. Rest in peace. No one wants to see that. Yeah. I, I, I never liked that idea. Um, I don't think it's fair to, you know, let's take Russell Wilson, for example, who's never missed a game. You know, I don't think it's fair for the league to say, well, a guy who's always shown the ability to stay healthy – now he has to miss a game. And, you know, if the Seahawks, maybe you're banking on the idea of him staying healthy and lasting you up until the very end and you, you don't need that last game. But then it turns out you did need that last game and you can't play with Russell Wilson. I never liked that idea. Um, but that's not what came that's not what came to pass. It is just a 17-game. They mentioned two buys. That didn't happen either. Um, but still, interesting times. New CBA. I'm happy. Labor peace for the next 10 years. That's always a good thing. So, Peter, are you ready to get into some of these signings that kind of came off the back of it? Oh, boy. Let's get, let's get rolling. So, let's start with the big one. Let's start with the obvious. Let's start with Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> uh, interesting landing spot, I think, for several reasons. Uh, we can go into all the reasons why, you know, him and New England kind of had the falling out they had. But I think it's kind of best that we just go ahead and focus on the future here. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron... I, you know, I should actually flip that order. Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard. Uh, there's some receivers there for him. There's some weapons. And that was one thing he did not like about being in New England. He felt like they had zero help for him. And he goes to... Honestly, there's not too many teams out there with better receivers. No, the, the offense minus the offensive line... And if you had prime Jameis Winston without the interceptions, that could have been a Super Bowl contender. Because they have, they have a, a very quiet, good defense. Not sexy or it, impressive. It got better as the season went on. Exactly. So if they can really fix the NFL, uh, their offensive line in the draft, and you have Brady, this could be something. But now we get to the argument of, Tom Brady's a system quarterback. This is where we're going to find out if that's true. Well, okay, so so that's been sort of thrown around a lot, right? Is the idea of now we're going to find out who's really responsible for it all between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You know, which, which one is the reason for the Patriots dynasty? And that's a fun narrative to talk about. We're going to talk about it on this show. However... It's not fair to Tom Brady to do that. He is 42 years old. Yes. The wheels can fall off in any game, at any time. And I think that's a big reason why the Patriots side of things, I think that's why for the Patriots, it makes sense to me that you don't want to hold on to a 42-year-old quarterback and commit several years 
because in the NFL, yes, you have the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. You have the Flacco, Lamar Jackson. You have the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes. You have the Steve Young, Joe Montana. You have those situations arise from time to time. But in general, it is kind of difficult to groom a quarterback on the bench behind a guy who, you know, you can only play one quarterback. It's not even like hockey goalie where the number two can play for 25% of the games. That backup's never playing. And so if you're the Patriots and if you're ready to move on, I get not wanting to bring him back. And if you're Tom Brady and you feel like you still got something in the tank, I get wanting to move on. And I think it's a good landing spot for him. You know, there are all of those stallions on that offense that are just fantastic. I am interested in the fit, though. You mentioned the system. And Bruce Arians likes to go deep. He, he Bruce Arians' offense has always been at its best when it is taking shots down the field. And I'm not going to say that Brady's got a noodle foreign arm. I'm not going to say he has zero arm strength. I am a little concerned about the consistency of his arm strength, though. You know, that being a major part of the offense is something we have not seen Tom Brady be able to do since Randy Moss was there. That was a long time ago. So I'm not going to, you know, totally bag on Tom Brady and say that he has no arm strength. I think it's going to be a failure because of it. But I am a little bit concerned about that. The possibility is there. In fairness, I think he's here more because he wants to prove that he can play at 42 rather than maybe the narrative that we're going to go with for the rest of the year, the whole system thing. That's fair. But I think I think it's going to be interesting to see. Definitely, with this is probably his best fit. I was I was convinced it was going to be Vegas <laughs> because you're moving into a new market. You need to make a splash. Tom Brady, maybe the best quarterback of all time. How can you go wrong opening a stadium with that? Right. But I think from his standpoint, this was a this was smarter because you will have targets. You have a defense that's workable. You focus on the line, specifically a tackle in the draft. This is something that for the next one or two years could be workable for him. I, I was... he wants out of this, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. I, I imagine it is the prove the doubters wrong in your 40s more than I'm not a system quarterback. But you got to imagine he's heard that forever. So right. you know it's in his mind somewhere, even if it doesn't affect you 100%. I, I always thought that the Los Angeles Chargers really, to me, were, was a better fit for him. Uh, from a skill standpoint, from a system standpoint, I always kind of thought they were a better landing spot for him. Uh, but, you know, it's not a bad spot. I trust Bruce Arians to make the adjustments to be able to make it work. I, I think the world of Bruce Arians, I think he's fantastic. I, I'm interested to see how much dink and dunk there is. I'm interested to see how much, uh, you know, Bruce Arians bombing there is. I, I'm interested to see how they go about the rest of this offseason now. Because all of a sudden, the Buccaneers, now there's expectations this year. I think a couple of years ago, we talked about how, for a decade, this was everybody's preseason uh favorite in terms of surprises they, they were my surprise darling for probably every year they had Jameis Winston at quarterback and maybe even a couple of years before that oh like, for me it was like probably like 2008 
until like 2017 or 18 when I get, finally gave up that they were always my NFC pick to surprise. Yeah. And what happened? It never worked. It never worked. All those years with Josh Freeman, I tried. I believed in Josh Freeman. It never happened. And with Jameis, I'm fascinated. We could go ahead and pivot a little bit over to Jameis. What is going to happen with Jameis Winston? Let, let's go ahead and lump all the quarterback news kind of into one here. Uh, yeah. You have Teddy Bridgewater sign a three-year, $63 million deal with the Carolina Panthers. So they've now got their starting quarterback. They're letting Cam Newton go ahead and try to find a trade, which Cam claims he doesn't really want to be traded. Either way, he's not going to be in Carolina. Phillip Rivers yeah. signs a one-year deal in Indianapolis. Now you've got Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers in Indy. Will there be a move made there? Obviously, uh, well, you had Case Keenum. I think a very underrated move going to the Cleveland Browns on a three-year, $18 million deal. I think that is a very smart signing for the Browns. Uh, Keenum's a team guy. He's going to be able to help Baker with the offense. He's familiar with the uh, offense. Kevin Stefanski had a lot of success there with him in Minnesota. So the, the, the musical chairs going around a little bit here at quarterback. What seats are still open for Jameis Winston, for Cam Newton, uh, Nick Foles, by the way. Nick Foles getting traded to the uh, Chicago Bears. I know that's a popular spot uh, for people thinking about Cam Newton. There's not – obviously New England now has an open. What else is uh, – by the way, Marcus Mariota went to the Vegas Raiders. I'm looking at the teams right now, and I'm seeing New England needing a quarterback. Absolutely number one need on their board. Uh, I mean, Miami, you know, you've got Fitz and you've got Rosen. You've probably drafting a quarterback. So I don't see that being a Jameis or a Cam. Um, The Jags just traded away Foles. Do they want to just hand the reins of Minshew for a year? I mean, I would, clearly. Uh, You know, the Chargers. Chargers are another team in the NBA quarterback. Now Rivers is gone. This is maybe more because it's local media, and this is what the local media in this town does. But uh, Pittsburgh, there's doubts of Ben. It's clearly not Rudolph. It's clearly not Duck. But he's he has somewhat potential. Does he want to be a backup though? Uh, exactly though. That that's the question there. I don't think I don't think it would be good for Jameis or a team to go into a season saying Jameis Winston is definitely our backup quarterback. If he's in a competition and he loses, you know, like let's say he signed with the Raiders instead of Mariota and he lost Derek Carr, then that is what it is. You know, same goes for Cam Newton. I don't think either one of those two are going into a team saying, yep, I'm the backup quarterback. Maybe, you know, maybe Ben Roethlisberger breaks down. I I think Jameis would be a fine fit with the Chargers. Who, who really is the Chargers quarterback? Well, that's the thing. Rivers being gone, they really do yeah. have nobody right now. They have, they have yeah. Tyrod. That might be the clear landing spot then. Although Tyrod, hey, not for nothing, Tyrod Taylor can be your starting quarterback. Like, Tyrod Taylor as your Chad Henney leading into a rookie, that is a viable option for the Los Angeles Chargers. Not saying it's a great one, but it is a, poss- a realistic possibility. I'd say with that, yeah, with that situation, that that might be their only real 
viable option. Him or Newton. I think the Chargers, you know, the, the, you mentioned going into a new stadium with the Raiders earlier. Chargers mm-hmm. going into that Rams stadium, assuming that does open on time. I could see them wanting to sell, sell some Cam Newton jerseys. Cam's a very mm-hmm. marketable player. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I could see that being a scenario, but man, and, and like New England, I think Andy Dalton is a pretty good fit there to, you know, play a similar style to Brady, uh, you know, to 2019, 2018 Brady, that is. Not, not you know, legacy Brady, but current Brady. That's yeah. not a – I don't know. I, I'm fascinated to see what comes out of this season for uh, – what comes out of this offseason for Jameis Winston. He's a volatile player. He's a high-risk, high-reward quarterback. I am fascinated to see where he lands, what the deal is. Um, and, yeah, what, what kind of opportunity that, that uh, brings itself. I will say if it was Pittsburgh and he ever started, uh, Matt, you know in uh, Heinz Field, the scoreboard has uh, two ketchup bottles on top. Yes, yes. Somebody joked that, like, how in baseball when a dominant pitcher is striking out, people put the Ks up to, like, you know, signify how many Ks there are. Right. Strikeouts there are. Somebody joked. Have each ketchup bottle represent touchdowns and interceptions to see which one fills up first. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I laughed too hard at that, and I really <laughs> want that to be the case. <laughs> but they have been, so it's not going to happen because we can't have fun in Pittsburgh anymore. Can't have fun in Pittsburgh. You know where you can have some fun, Peter Lewis? I hope you're not going to say the city you're thinking. You're thinking. I was going to say Miami, Florida. Okay, perfect. I thought you were going to say Baltimore. <laughs> no, I'm going to go to Miami here because we are talking a little AFC East with the Patriots. Let's talk a little bit about some uh, New England Southeast, if you will. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins making Byron Jones one of the highest paid corners in the league. They also signed Kyle Van Noy, who's a very solid linebacker from the Patriots to the Dolphins. Shaq Lawson uh, from the Bills, they signed him for a three-year, $30 million deal. They also signed Eric Flowers to do a three-year, $30 million deal, which I thought he sucked. The last time I know, I remember seeing Eric Flowers, he was terrible. Uh, they signed Emmanuel Ogba from the Chiefs. He was obviously with the Browns before that. He was part of the uh, – uh, which trade was that between those two? There was a trade between the Browns and the Chiefs. I'm blanking on what it was now. Uh, they also yeah. signed Jordan Howard. Which the team, which was led by Ryan Fitzpatrick in rushing last year, Jordan Howard, all of a sudden, hey, fantasy alert here, RB1, Jordan Howard in Miami. I'm just saying there's a chance he can do something. What, Matt? You don't have faith in Kalen Balaj and Samaje Piran? I, I, I have zero faith in either of those two. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Peter, are these good signings, or are they just signings? For what the Dolphins did, have done, because let's not forget, they were, what, over uh, 7. We left, we left them for dead, guaranteed first-round pick. Pulled out <laughs> kind of a, a miracle ending here to finish 5-11. They have capital. They got the Steelers first round. They have a first round for, you know, being bad. Well, they got the Texans also. Mm-hmm. Texans too. This, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Dolphins might be on to something here. I'm not going to go crazy and say Super Bowl contender. We're not, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> but you know what? 
they may have derped their way into some success here in terms of being respectable. Well, the division, obviously, we're talking about Brady. So the division just became a little bit more open. Mm -hmm. The Jets are the Jets. The Bills are probably the clubhouse leader and might not even be all that close right now. No. But uh, I got to tell you what, though. Byron Jones is a stud. That's a great signing. And him and Xavier Howard, that's an awesome duo. They've got two fantastic corners. But I'm not going to lie. A few of these signings, I kind of just shrugged my shoulders at a little bit. Eric Flowers, eh. Emmanuel Ogba, eh. Jordan Howard, eh. So, I'm not thrilled about those guys. Byron Jones is a good one. We'll see what they end up doing in the draft. But, I just kind of want to bring up the, the Dolphins a little bit there. While we're talking about, you know, the Patriots and kind of the opening up of the AFC East. Seeing what uh, could end up coming out of there. Um, give me one second here as I open up the text from Ryan McDaniel, his show oh notes God. from earlier. He's alive? Well, no, this is the one from earlier, the show notes, the, the, the things he wanted to make, wanted to mention for us. Um, as I read through this, do, 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 oh, let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy obviously came in last year, went 5-0 and for the New Orleans Saints, and he looked good doing it. Uh, I was in love with Teddy during the season again. I, I fell back in love. Um, I think it is interesting that after 2021, it's very cuttable. So it's really kind of a two-year deal, which I think is about perfect if you're taking a chance on Bridgewater here. Get two years, see if he's still got it. I like the fit a lot because I feel like Bridgewater's good at short, quick timing passes. And I think Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and McCaffrey – are all very good at making things happen after those types of passes. Yeah, especially with the two-year deal. Now, David David Tepper, he is a he's probably my favorite owner right now because he is no nonsense. He gets to the point. He knows what he wants. He's going to try something, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know what? I think he got a good deal with Teddy because there were some stupid <laughs> like me saying, "Oh, how are the Saints going to survive without?" Uh, Breeze, they're, they're done. This is this is the end. Five and zero. Oh. And honestly, when Breeze came back, you could have been like, you know what, Breeze, just 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 stay on the side unless Teddy like really needs help. There was that talk. There there yeah. was there was that chatter. There was definitely there was a lot of people that had that kind of same mindset. That yeah. you know, let Drew Breeze take his sweet time coming back. Obviously, Breeze is better, yeah. but you know, Bridgewater steered that shit to perfection. And I, I gotta tell you what, out of all the NFL players. Teddy Bridgewater, I am happy for. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I am genuinely fills my heart with joy to see Teddy Bridgewater being given an opportunity like this to be the court- starting quarterback of an NFL team again. Because it looked there for like a little bit like it wasn't going to happen again. Um, so, yeah, I like that move for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know what, uh, Peter? Let's go ahead and let's talk about just awful trade. Well, let's break this down into two parts here. Because I think this is a two-part trade, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about David Johnson being traded to the Texans in exchange for a fourth-round pick. Let's yeah. just do that part. Yeah. I think that's – it's a little bit much to give up for David Johnson, the fourth-round mm-hmm. pick. But, okay, I'm fine with that. I, I think if I'm the Texans, 
I would like to ask the pan or ask the Cardinals to eat a little bit of the salary, not much, but a little bit of the salary because it is a big running back contract that I don't think he's worth anymore. Yeah. Remember, people, this is not fantasy football. This is the this is real NFL football. Well, and that's where we get into the other half of this trade. Mm-hmm. Which is the uh, you know the the Texans receiving a second round pick and a fourth round pick, but mm-hmm. sending DeAndre freaking Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. What just happened? You know when I when I saw the notification, my first thought was, okay, you know what? There's a there's a virus going around. <laughs> people people are quarantined, so maybe. <laughs> Bristol, Connecticut does not have their best people at the helm of the online department. So maybe somebody, you know, I don't know how their systems are. Maybe they have, like, you know, a Dropbox for players to update all the stuff in real time so they don't have to, you know, go around 100 places. And maybe somebody accidentally hit, oh, they accidentally uh, selected DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, no big deal. Accidents happen. (laughs) It's it's strange times. Let it go. And then you see, oh, another person did it. It's like, okay, maybe like the virus, this is, you know, misinformation is spreading. And then it becomes certain that DeAndre Hopkins, maybe one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, was just traded for a running back who got benched for, what was his name again, Matt? Kenyon, Kenyon Drake. Thank you. Who's, who's doing much better. He is. He's doing much better. But there was one point of time where Kenyon Drake was considered like a washout. Yes. And once you realize that, you realize, oh, Bill O'Brien is trying to get fired. <sighs> is there any other explanation for that? So apparently, I'm going to try, Peter. I'm going to try to do this from the Texan side of things. Oh, let's go for it. Okay. I'm going to put on my Bill O'Brien hat. I'm going to try. But I just want everybody to understand that this is not me agreeing. This is me trying to justify from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Number one, you've traded away a lot of draft picks in the last yes. year or so, mm-hmm. right? They, they traded up in the draft to get Deshaun Watkins. They traded away two first-round picks to get Laramie Tunsil. They also traded away draft picks to get uh, uh, Duke Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I believe they traded away a late pick for Carlos Hyde, I think. Um, they also got Kenny Stills in the Tunsil trade. I don't remember for sure if they threw in an extra pick for that or not. I don't think they did. Um, but either way, you've given up a lot of draft capital in the Tunsil trade and trading it for Watkins. So you do kind of have a need of replenishing some young talent, right? We've talked about this with the Rams. The Rams have made a lot of these moves that dry up your draft capital fast. You do kind of need to bring some of that back. Okay, let's make a move. Let's trade away a guy who is established, and maybe we can get an early round pick. Um, you know, let's let let look at the, the Houston Texans roster. You know, the guys who could probably fetch you a uh, a first or a second round pick. There's not a whole heck of a lot of them. You know, not a whole heck of a lot that you would think would be really tradable, right? Like you're not trading Watson. You're probably not trading away J.J. Watt, although also with his injury problems, you don't really know what you could get for him. You know, Whitney Merciless, he's one of the leaders of the defense. At the wide receiver position, Mm -hmm. 
the Texans still have Will Fuller, who, when he's been healthy, has shown a lot of potential. Oh, yeah. They still have Kenny Stills, who has shown in the past that he can be a perfectly fine number two. And they got, they got Kiki Cootie as they well. They got Kiki QT, who is, you know, he's a fun slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And don't they have them? they have Demarius? No, he went to uh, New England. That's right. They traded him to New England. Yeah. So, so something. But even still. Uh, you still you so you do still have three wide receivers. Like if you tell me that that's your three wide receiver set, I go okay. There's things you can do with that. Yeah. Um. I mean, Kiki and Will are both slot guys. Kenny's can somewhat take on that DeAndre role. Well, you know, I, I think with, with Fuller and with Stills, they're burners. You know, yeah. they're deep ball guys. Um. You don't. You no longer have that. Close your eyes and throw it to him, guy. Without mm-hmm. Hopkins there. Um, also, apparently Hopkins, he still has three years left on his contract, but he was wanting a new deal because he was, you know, for being as great as he is, he was underpaid. Oh, yeah. Um, among wide receivers, I believe he was the seventh in the NFL in, uh, in total dollars on the, the contract. So, yeah, I, I understand that from Hopkins' standpoint, won that new deal. Wanting to, you know, override those three years, get a pay raise. He is arguably the best, maybe second best wide receiver in the NFL behind Thomas. So there's a lot of things going on here. And Peter Lewis, by the way, I just want to say one me, me, me real quick. A similar situation to this happened years ago. Where a superstar player was disgruntled with his contract. Now, he did not have three years remaining. He only had one year remaining. And he was traded for two first-round picks. That was Khalil Mack. And everyone cracked on that trade. And I defended it. And I tell you what, this makes that Khalil Mack trade look pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. Um, the fact there's three years left on his deal, though. If you're the Texans, you figure it out. Like, if, if, if he only had one year left on his contract, okay, I get it. You know? He's probably gone in a year, so you're getting back something. And let's, you know, you mentioned that you went 2017 mode on DeAndre on uh, David Johnson. There's, there is the possibility, there is the chance that David Johnson does still have it in him, and he was just hurt last year. Yeah, that is within the realm of possibilities. It's not likely, but it's a possibility. Yeah, but. Yeah. What a bad trade. He, he's 27 years old. Yeah. Years, he's 30. And here's the thing. I know maybe that, that 30 age is scary to people now. But here's the thing. Julio got an extension recently. And you know what? This past season at 30 years old? Or 31, actually, maybe. No, 30. He was fine. Well, and, and even if that 30 age scares you, in three years, that's when his contract was up. Exactly. If you were scared of him aging, you let him walk then. You don't kick him out now. I just, I don't get this one. It, it, it's too hopeful. And you know what? David Johnson is going to have a miserable time in Houston because if he is not, you know, God, what was his best? Yeah, 2016 season, you know, 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, an average of 4.2 yards. He's going to get eaten alive. And even if he does do that, 
can you really, can that really replace DeAndre Hopkins' impact at the receiving core? Probably not. Now you're, now you're asking Fuller, Cootie, and uh, Stills to step up. Stills, Stills, I could see doing more, but here's the thing: he's not going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I tell you what, Peter. Let me make another case on behalf of the Texans. Okay. David Johnson. Bill, if you're listening, take these notes. Yeah, take these notes and take them with you to a press conference because you (laughs) will need them, my friend. I am trying for you. I hate this trade, and I am trying for you, dude. David Johnson, just two years ago, his last healthy season, people were saying, oh, man, he's such a great receiver. You know, it's like he's a wide receiver at the running back position, right? 2016, 879 yards receiving. That's great. You know, I I just, it's just not good though. Like the, the possibility of that David Johnson coming back is not very likely. Even if it does, it's not the same as having Hopkins. Let's talk about the other side of this trade. Arizona. Tyler Murray has to be excited. Oh, he he has the nicest man ever in Larry Fitzgerald with him, and now he's got DeAndre Hopkins. I I don't even think Cliff Kingsbury thought this would happen. I I guarantee you, this might be the same situation as my uh, joke about the uh, Bristol situation. Cliff Kingsbury probably got the text or a message somehow. It's like, oh, they, they must have put the wrong name, and there's no way they're offering DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> and then Bill's like, oh, yeah, I am. I think we, we've <laughs> all made that trade in fantasy where, like, you offer something with the full intention of knowing it's not going to get accepted. But you're like, let me just throw this out here. You never know. Mm-hmm. Right? For maybe the my- computer will glitch out. Yeah, yeah, maybe they'll accidentally hit accept instead of decline. Mm-hmm. Like, just on the 0.2% chance that they hit the wrong button. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, for me personally, it was trading away LaDainian Tomlinson for uh, Calvin Johnson in, like, 2011, I think it was, or 2010. Like, yeah. this was New York Jets LaDainian Tomlinson. <laughs> it wasn't very good. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I tell you what, though Arizona. First of all, the NFC West is loaded. Yeah. Holy cow, the NFC West is loaded. You've got this is what we're looking at, Peter. Arizona Cardinals are a young, exciting team. I think they need some pieces on defense still, but they are exciting. You have the defending NFC champions. You have a team that was really one play away from winning the division. From the defending NFC champions. And then you've got a team that just two years ago was the defending NFC champions. Mm-hmm. That's all in one division. Like, that's fantastic. Let's see here. Let, let, me, let me pull up Ryan's show notes again here. We'll move on to another uh, another piece of news here. We'll go ahead and just, like, blitz through all of Ryan's uh, Titans notes. And we'll give his opinions on it all. I mean, it's it's kind of required to talk about the Titans on the show, so we'll we'll do it quick. They've and been we'll do our teams. They've been active though. Uh, they have. So you've got the Ryan Tannehill signing. Uh, you know Tannehill getting a pretty fairly large size contract from the Titans. Ryan says he likes it. 
Uh, by the time the rest of these QBs are paid, he'll probably be around the 12th or 13th highest paid. Which, you know, I'm not the biggest Ryan Tannehill fan. I think that there's a chance that he could turn back into a pumpkin. And remember, oh yeah, I am Ryan Tannehill after all. But, you know, considering the situation, I, I think I'm there with Ryan. I, I don't mind it. Uh, they did lose Jack Conklin to the Browns. He feels like they can address that loss in the draft. Uh, you know, Mario to the Raiders, whatever. You know, he's your backup quarterback, Ryan. I'm not going to talk about him. Uh, using the franchise tag on Derrick Henry. We'll see how that still plays out. He may end up getting a long-term deal. He may end up, you know, playing on the tag. Who knows the way that one's going to play out. We don't really know right now. Uh, let's, this one broke my heart today, Peter. Jarrell Casey traded to the Broncos for a seventh-round pick. Yep. That made me sad. Because Jarrell Casey is a pretty good player. He's got a big contract, jumbo contract. Um, and so I guess from the Titans side of things, you got to do what you got to do. They had, they had to move on from it. it. It was more get-outable for them to trade him than it was to uh, release him. So they send him to Denver for a seventh-round pick. But in a world where, on the same exact day, Nick Foles, and his, and I think we'd all agree it's a big contract and it's more than he's worth. On the same day where Nick Foles gets traded for a fourth-round pick, Jarrell Casey for a seventh. That made me sad. <laughs> like, this, this is an exchange for a guy you're probably just going to cut. So, yeah, that made, that made me sad. Um, then let's see, is that it for the Titans? Oh, they signed Vic Beasley, fun little one year, uh, you know, you never know. Uh, if he, if he goes back to being good, that's great, you know, but he may, he may be bad. He's, he's not, he, he's kind he's had a rough go of it lately, Vic Beasley. Yeah. Uh, Peter, do you want to talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, pretty much the big one I saw was, uh, we got, uh, Derek Watt, the forgotten Watt brother. And I hope I said that name right, because he is indeed the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll come in as fullback which i think is i think if you're gonna do anything with connor you, you kind of need that now because i, I was like connor's first year we were kind of like okay the, the line can help him but he doesn't have that oomph that Le'Veon had and this past season oh boy he does not have the oomph that Le'Veon had there were injuries you can you can make that argument i get it but I think getting that fullback in there might help. I'm not going to hold my breath, though, because this team has a lot of question marks to it. Was there anything else besides that? I know I know Nix is gone. Um, That's a good question. Have the Pittsburgh Steelers done any? They re, I know that they restructured a couple contracts. I know they, they, yeah, restructured, they restructured Ben. Aiden. They restructured Ben. Um, as Spotrack is being very slow right now to pull up the Pittsburgh Steelers contracts. They, I really uh, dropped a couple guys, but nothing huge in my opinion. Again, I'm a cynical fan, so you you can you can say, Peter, this guy was a a pro bowler. How can you say that? It's like whatever. Um. A, I, oh. I oh. Well. Um. Let's mention that Ramon Foster retired. Oh yeah, that, that's that's also happened. I missed that one. Uh, but they released Mark Barron. 
They also put Bud Dupree on the franchise tag. So he's not going anywhere, at least for the time right now, time being. That is about it, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, so quite often so far. is on the retired list, but still getting the uh, Steelers benefits. Yeah. So, not, I mean, honestly, though, the Steelers are very rarely loud in the offseason. It's well, usually a good thing if they're not. This year, especially, the cap is really going to be their enemy, so I don't really know what they can do, to be honest. I still think, like, a couple million over, so there will probably be another cut or restructuring here pretty soon. Well, I will go ahead and we will pivot on over to the Baltimore Ravens. And Peter Lewis, let me tell you what. Well, you Lamar know, Jackson's still there. What's that? Lamar Jackson's still there. Let, let's, just, let's start that. Yeah, uh, yeah Lamar Jackson's still there. He's not going anywhere. You know who should be the next president of the United States? Mark Ingram? Eric DaCosta, the Ravens general manager. <laughs> this dude. So, last year, week three of the preseason, or, or week two of the preseason, we traded away our backup kicker. The, the guy who's backing up Justin Tucker. This guy is guaranteed to not make the roster, right? We trade him away for a fifth round pick. We then, in turn, have traded away our own fifth-round pick and that fifth-round pick, and we have turned them into Marcus Peters and Calias Campbell. Mwah! Gorgeous. I, I, this Calias Campbell trade, I think I actually mentioned last week Calias Campbell being a possibility, and I was like, ah, but that's like the best-case scenario. I didn't really think it was going to happen. I am so happy it did. I am so psyched. Between him and Michael Brockers, that front three for the Ravens defense is fantastic. Those are some run-stopping boys. Now let's go ahead and get one more pass rusher. We use the franchise tag on Matthew Judon, so he's coming back, at least at the moment. You know, it's looking that way. Um, let's go. Let's get one more pass rusher. Let's get a right guard. Let's get a middle linebacker. Let's win a Super Bowl. Uh, we did trade away. Also, I love this. DeAndre Hopkins was essentially traded away for a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick, right? Yep. Hayden Hurst, former first-round pick, didn't quite pan out for the Ravens, fell to being you know the number three tight end, traded for a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. We got back for Hayden Hurst what the Texans got for DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> So, yes, I am feeling good right now. The Ravens have one first-round pick. I believe it's two seconds, two threes, two fours, no five, no six, and then a seven. I am so excited right now for what the Ravens are doing. Um, you know, and those positions of need, pass rusher, right guard, middle linebacker, yes, I would like to see one more wide receiver get brought in. Um, you know, one whose name we actually recognize, but those guys, they're just, they're just, they don't seem to be available right now. And I know I say this, you know, sure, I'm just saying DeAndre Hopkins got traded. Um, but it, it, it's tough sledding right now, trying to get one of those sudden receivers, I feel like. So, I, I'm feeling good about where the Ravens are at. Let's talk about another very interesting situation, very interesting trade. And a trade I really like for both teams. The San Francisco 49ers. They re-sign Eric Armstead and then trade away to Forrest Buckner to the Colts for a first-round pick. P. 
Peter, I look at it this way. The 49ers had a decision to make. Either you keep DeForest Buckner or you keep Eric Armstead and you get a first-round pick. They chose Armstead in a first. You know, they, they didn't have the cap space to get both. That wasn't able to work. So I'm cool with that. And, and for the Colts, I think the Colts, you know, inside pressure is very important these days. You see a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Mahomes especially is one I can think of where the inside pressure is more important than the edge rush. So I like the move for the Colts as well. Yep. I, I, I agree with that. Sorry. Not the most helpful when it comes to the NFL offseason. Hey, that is okay, Peter. Um, I tell you what, I am looking around and I am thinking that might just wrap it up here for us. Is there anything big that I've missed on? No, from the NFL standpoint, that's pretty much all we have to talk about. Like, again, there's a. I guess if you want to do a Corona update for the sake of MLB, uh, people don't need that from us. Okay, okay. That's out there. That's in the world. They don't need to hear that from us. We don't need to. You know, one piece of baseball I want to mention, Peter. Um, You know, I mentioned it last week that, you know, again, this crappy situation can be looked at as an opportunity in some ways. Los Angeles Angels. Shohei Otani was scheduled to not pitch until May. There was a report today saying that they expect him to be full go pitching and hitting by the time that the regular season does actually start. So, again, it sucks that this is happening. It sucks that this is the way it's gone down. But, you know, a uh, very famous line in Game of Thrones uh, was, chaos is a ladder. And maybe, just maybe, the Los Angeles Angels can climb that ladder. Honestly, with the exception of the Pittsburgh Pirates and... Orioles, Tigers. At this point, it'll probably be open for anybody when the season starts again. Well, it's fascinating because, yeah, I mean, shorter season does mean more parity potentially. You know, yeah. less time for those short spurts to play themselves out. I think that's part I, of the reason you see the NFL be so crazy. You know, if the whole season is the Pirates before the All-Star break, the Pittsburgh Pirates could potentially be a spoiler for a wild card spot. Absolutely. In the NBA, there's talk of shortening next season because of this. You know, having to kind of push back the offseason could end up shortening next season. So for the NBA, there could be effects of this for two seasons. It's chaos. It is absolutely crazy. But I guess, Peter Lewis, that's where we leave it for tonight. Yeah, that's all we can really say. There's nothing else to talk about in the sports room. I, I will say this, though. Because there are no sports on, you kind of have to figure out how to fill your time. Yeah, what have you been doing and to fill that time? EA and NHL called off. NASCAR was saying they were going to run two, their two next two races in Atlanta Homestead without fans. I was like, you know what, old friend? It's been a while. I've talked a lot of trash on you over the years. But hey. I'm excited to see NASCAR again. Mm-hmm. Of course, it got canceled. But, you know, for a moment there, I was in the mood for some NASCAR racing. Oh, that would have been fun. So I went on the old YouTube. Oh. And you know what I discovered? What did you discover? For all the problems of NASCAR, they are very kind when it comes to copyright claims. Because practically <laughs> every race I want to watch is on there in full. 
Wow. Not even on, like, NASCAR's own site either? No, just random YouTube users uploading their races. Well, that's fun. I've been watching uh, the races I got to go to in my life, the broadcast version, and you know what? It's pretty fun. I bet that is pretty fun. I'm happy for you, Peter. (laughs) And you know the craziest thing I learned? What's that? Uh, Matt, have you ever heard of Jeff Gordon's uh, T-Rex car? T-Rex car. Oh, yes! Yes, yes, yes. The car that ran the Winston in, uh, oh, what year was it? 97? It was a long time ago. Yeah. Basically for people, yeah, 97. Basically for people who don't know was, the car was legal in every aspect of how it was built. But they stretched how you define the term legal to make a car that just destroyed the field. And they did it during a non-points race. The Winston is like, it's the all-star race. So it doesn't count except for money. Right. And, of course, NASCAR was like, yo, uh, this is illegal. Don't you ever do this again. (laughs) What I learned was my first race ever, the 1998 Brickyard 400, which Jeff Gordon won, they were using the T-Rex car. Really? It was, of course, modified down to be legal, but unknowingly, I my first race ever, my favorite driver wins in the legendary T-Rex car. Wow. That was awesome to learn. There you go. I'm happy for you, Peter. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Um, I have been watching almost, I'm almost done with Seinfeld. I only have the finale episode to go. Oh, get ready to be disappointed, Matt. I've heard that. And honestly, Seinfeld's a fascinating show because it truly is a show about nothing. Oh, it is. There are minimal long-term storylines. And, you know, I've dealt with some disappointing finales. I have dealt with some finales the past few years that have just been ripped to shreds by many people, including myself to a degree. You know, I watched all of Game of Thrones. I watched all of How I Met Your Mother. Those finales were not great. And I was I was the defender on the Game of Thrones one and still said it's not good. Um, the finale of the, se- the last season as a whole. Well, just the finale episode. I enjoy the last season, but the finale episode's crap. The same goes for How I Met Your Mother. I enjoy the final season, but the last episode's crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I am very fascinated to see what this final episode... Because I have heard that it's disappointing. I've heard it's a letdown. But the difference, though, and I'm, that's why I'm fascinated to see how it's so disappointing, because I feel like one of the biggest appointments for Game of Thrones and for uh, How I Met Your Mother is kind of the way they handle long-term stories. Mm-hmm. But in Seinfeld, there's a minimum of long-term stories. No, it's really just a lot of recurring jokes. Jerry's girlfriends, uh, Kramer's escapades. Yeah, there is no real story to it. So, yeah, because each episode is so, like, isolated. That's why I'm fascinated to see what this finale is going to be. So, once we're done tonight with the podcast, I'm going to, uh, that's all I'll be doing. Mm -hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to find out my thoughts, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at RealMattMormon. And, uh, Peter, where can people see you tweeting about NASCAR? Uh, they can find me at the actual Peter. Uh, I'm using it more than I used to because, well, got got nothing better to do. 
there's, there's always so many houses you can build in Sims 4 before you realize, I don't, I'm not good at Sims 4 or house <laughs> building at all. You know, speaking of making things, uh, Super Mario Maker for the Nintendo Switch. Mm. Excellent game. I've had a blast with that game. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, so if you want to play my levels, tweet me as well. That'd be great. Uh, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will bid farewell. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Use all of the hand sanitizers you can. Uh, wash your hands. Yeah, wash, wash your hands, you filthy Man, animals. I, the, the FDA said the food supply is not low. Buy food for the, ne the next week until you're told otherwise. Oh. Yeah, listen to your local newscast, everybody. Well. We have good information right now. <laughs> Yes, listen to, support your local businesses and your local TV stations. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're having a hard time with it too sometimes. You know, we're, we're out there having to talk about this nonstop as well. So it, it's not great all around. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will leave you there and have a very good night. Again, like I said, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you all next week.